Jonathan, it is great to be with you, as always. How are you doing today? I was doing pretty well until you struggled to get this recording started. But now that it, now I, that it's going, I'm doing pretty well. I just had to make sure everything was set up. And then... I know, but we I, always do I had this. to burp off, <laughs> off mic. We just, we just always do this. We spend all this time talking to each other, excited about our episode... And then we're like, okay, you ready to start? And we're both like, yeah, wait, no. And then we have to like open everything that we need. <laughs> that was exactly what I was doing. Well, I'm glad that we're up and running. So let's just dive right into it with our what would you do in this particular situation. Would you want to always have body odor? And not know it. Or always pick up body odor on everyone else. Like if they have it, you smell it. Body odor on anyone else. Easy. I mean, I respect the commitment. but I'm already paranoid about something being wrong with me (laughs) that everyone else is aware of, but it's not me. Wait, same. (laughs) So, why in the world... Would I want to stink, but not know it, and everyone else knew it? No. Okay, yeah, I'm going with the same. And I also feel like, so the question assumes that, like, if someone has body odor, then you pick it up. But I feel like a lot of people don't really have body odor. Like, we have a lot of things that help with that now. Like, in the ancient world, in Bible times, it would be be terrible. If we went back, we'd be dead. (laughs) But, like, now there's deodorants and, like, shampoos and body washes and soaps and, like, sprays. Like, you'd probably be fine. Yeah. I think it would be great. I think it would be spectacular to not stink. I'm glad we both share the same fear that something's wrong with us. And just everyone around us is doing the courtesy of not telling us. Yeah. It's not great. No, it's not. Oh. Probably the definition of anxiety. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope there's some form of body odor in our passage today. Can I go ahead and read it? I'd love that. Amazing. This is John chapter 14, verses 22 to 29. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, asked, Lord, why are you about to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, Whoever loves me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word that you hear isn't mine. It is the word of the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I am with you. The companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and will remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. You've heard me tell you, I'm going away and returning to you. If you loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than me. I've told you before it happens so that when it happens, 
you will believe. Thanks for reading that for us. I added the very first line to the appointed lectionary text because it just started with, Jesus answered. <laughs> See, a logical at least got question. The, at least got the question be, in. <laughs> yeah, the logical question is, well, what was he answering? Like, where's the question? So I did, I did add the very first line. Lord, why are you about to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? So with that said, just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. If they were like, this doesn't match up. Yeah, I'm sure we got a really a really large group of hard-nosed lectionarians listening that are going to call us on it. They are. They can call us on it. That's why I gave my, my disclaimer now. Now they can't. They could have, though. But while you were reading the assigned, not assigned, appointed, lectionary text and the additional verse what jumped out at you i actually had a really interesting reaction to some of this because of all the kind of conditional statements around loving jesus or loving god and the statement if you loved me you'd be happy that i'm going to the father (laughs) just feels like really loaded to me (laughs) and so it's just it's just these I think these teaching moments that when I try to translate them to an actual conversation just feel so strange. But it's it's just so I don't know. There's just something about those those conditional statements that kind of make me a little bit uneasy. So that's what stood out to me in this reading. Yeah, I don't know. Like if you ever had a tantrum when you were like a kid, and you said Never, something like that once. to your parents. Like, if you loved me, you would let me have ice cream for dinner. They're just like, what? Like, that, Like we can love you and not have you eat ice cream for dinner. Like, that's not how that works. Right. Yeah, it seems like if you love me, you'll be happy I'm gone. Is a, is kind of a strange statement, though. Because I think, like, we often, when we love someone, right, we want them to be around. Like, we, we want to be with them. This is like, Jesus is the opposite. I think one of, I don't want to move too fast into what's the point. So I'm just, we're still talking about the text. But I think like what we can say about the Holy Spirit is that, I mean, it's at least on par with Jesus. Right? Like, if they're going to be happy that Jesus is gone, the Holy Spirit's got to be at least as good. Yeah, you know what? I haven't really thought about it before, Seth, but with this gospel in particular, it was probably written in a post-Pentecost world. Right? Like, we're presuming that in the chronology that's documented in Scripture, compared to the timeline of when most of the New Testament was written. I wonder how much teaching or, you know, remembering something that happened later happened back into the stories of Jesus, too, as they were trying to make all these connections between all these different things. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Especially, like, it's the Holy Spirit who will teach you everything. Right, and will remind you of everything that I told you is what Jesus said. Like I just wonder if 
since this is written after the Holy Spirit, like if that isn't their lived experience too, like if Jesus Jesus can say that the Holy Spirit's going to teach you, but then like they're also recognizing it later, and they write it down and say, oh yeah, like Jesus really did this, and the Holy Spirit taught me about it later. Like, helped me understand it more fully. Helped me to remember it. Yeah, I think sometimes people think that the time between, like, when the events recorded in the Gospels happen and when the Gospels are written is a detriment to the Gospels. Like, and somehow that makes them less trustworthy, right, as historical documents. Because there's, like, you know, there's years between, like, when Jesus walks the earth and when John's written for example but sometimes I also think that that's like that's the time to process that's the time when you know people can can start putting the pieces together yeah right and you know I think Seth my favorite thing about the gospels is that they're not biographical yeah same and and I, I know that in some circles, I might get thrown out or stoned for saying something like that. But every serious biblical scholar looks at the Gospels and says, these stories were crafted to tell a certain story about things that are true about the person on which they center, even if they may not be historically accurate in the way that we would define it as historically accurate. And so I... I too hear, you know, in this in this reading, you know, if we think about the community that John was written to as well. Like what comfort do you think they need to receive the Holy Spirit? And you know, asking questions about wouldn't it have been better if Jesus was here? Who better to give them that assurance than Jesus himself in these texts? <laughs> Jonathan, that was a great bridge to what's the point mm. you're welcome because that's <laughs> because that you're, you're exactly how i've been thinking about this text you've nailed it this is written to a community that's that's struggling they're they're real small like insular they're trying to keep other people out and like they need they need some assurance so like my question when i was reading this is like well what you know, what does this say to them? And I guess, like, I kind of had three points. And I thought, you know, maybe we'll just we'll just talk about them. But I thought that the first thing is that Jesus, Jesus promises that my Father will love them and that we will come to them and make our home with them. Mm. That was the first one. I think, I think sometimes I want to overlook that one because I just start jumping down to to the Holy Spirit, which is this really the second one. Like they got the Holy Spirit to teach them and remind them of everything that Jesus told them. But then they also get this peace that Jesus leaves with them. So I was kind of thinking like with those three, you know, Jesus and the Father living with them, dwelling with them, the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a teacher, and then this peace that's like not related to the world, 
but like comes from God. Like, in what way is that empowering for them? And then, and then the next question I think is like, well, how can that empower us hmm. as people who are like, who are still waiting for Jesus return, who are still kind of in this interim period between when Jesus, you know, gives the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit comes, maybe I should say, and Jesus returns. That was a really big question. <laughs> I, I do this to you every time. I'm, like, I'm starting to feel a little bad. I'm just like, okay, let's take the biggest question of faith. Like, how do we live between the advent of the Holy Spirit and Jesus coming back? And then I just turn it on you and wait for you to answer. Okay. Try try asking me one question. <laughs> okay. Crap, that was, I was like, I have one question, but it has three parts. <laughs> That's not the same. No. <laughs> How do the three promises that we have from Jesus in this passage, that he will dwell with us, that he'll give us the Holy Spirit, and that he'll give us his peace, how do they help us live in the world today? That was still a pretty big question, but but not as it was, big. It was it was better. It's still enormous. <laughs> still big, but not but smaller. Maybe like what if we made it really personal? Like, what if we asked instead? You know, is there one of those that really connects with you right now? That you think, oh, like that's the one that. Right, right now I needed to hear. I think one of the most pressing realities of my world right now, and I don't think this is necessarily true of everyone, I think there is some privilege associated with this, but I think one of the most pressing realities of my world is isolation. Mm-hmm. Obviously accentuated by the last two years, but ultimately we are in a world that has created a lot of means for connection that do not substitute fully what it means for us to be in relationship with another person. Because if we were in person together, Seth, and you said something that I disagreed with, the way I would respond to you is a lot different than if you said something online that I disagreed with. <laughs> because like the the functional equivalent in person of a quote tweet where we drag another person is to literally like stand up on the table in the restaurant where we're in and say, everyone, listen to what this idiot just said, and then to repeat it out loud and then make another con- like there is no equivalent behavior to align with how we act in these spaces that are supposed to connect us further. And so in a world that feels particularly disconnected, I read this and read an invitation back to something different because I, I don't want to read this as a text to me or to an individual because it, it wasn't written that way, but I do receive it that way, you know, that I hear the invitation for, for presence and comfort and companionship and peace. I'm like, I need that. 
but it's in communities that are called to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Communities of all types, as we learned last week. Well, that answered my question, Joel. Okay. I think I, what I was trying to do is just get you to answer, you know, personally, and then start there and think, okay, well, this is how it hits me, and how might it hit a, an entire community? I think you did that. Like, you were talking about the ways that you feel isolated and alone and sometimes disconnected, even though all of our electronic devices supposedly connect us. And I just wonder if that's also not true. A, of communities, you know, wider communities now that feel disconnected. And I also wonder if that's not true, this is part B, of of the Joe and I community that this is written to. If they also weren't a little bit disconnected. Maybe like, I think it's true that they're they're sort of a fringe group, they're like a subset of Judaism who are following Jesus and they're even following Jesus in this very particular way you know that John is leading them right whoever whoever's behind all this <laughs> I'm just really struck and I've been struck by this the past few passages we've encountered in John how pastoral this letter is I've so often thought of John as like kind of a high theological reflection and, you know, but it's really encouraging me to kind of go back to these, these stories that I've read and think not of biography, Mm -hmm. but think of pastoral letter, you know, a community that's hurting that needs to hear the stories of Jesus told a particular way to be comforted that's really encouraging yeah these past few episodes in john have been doing the same to me i think i want to theologize john so much just make it like so heavy but like but then i read john you're right it's so it's so pastoral it's all about jesus in the flesh too right there i think that should be the counterpoint to me just like thinking about it like in a way that's abstract. For me, the the kind of very last promise that Jesus gives is helpful to me right now. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I feel a little burnt out lately. Hmm. I think it's just like the result of like a pandemic and like my eye surgeries and like stuff that I didn't see coming, right? That I like wasn't prepared for in any way, shape or form. Or that you couldn't see coming because of your giant retinal tear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh, peace sounds, peace sounds real nice right now. And I just think about the, the Joanine community who's like just I've said this before, just struggling to survive, just getting by. They're the audience for that this really pastoral letter. Like, if anybody needs peace, it's probably them. And, I mean, I can't help but apply that to our wider world, too. Like, the discourse that's so violent and impassioned for good reason. 
but that also robs people of, of peace because we can just get so caught up in the discourse not the issues at hand and the people whose lives it affects we can get so caught up in being right that we lose sight of like what's really important the people that that these decisions affect yeah and i'm like oh you know that needs an injection of peace our like political landscape and our our international landscape to mm. say nothing else about ukraine but that needs a dose of peace too having read this passage again and again and honestly struggling to come up with what we were going to talk about on this episode my takeaway is like seth you got to come back to this like the next time you're struggling not for easy answers or a, a solution but just like the promise of God's accompaniment mm. peace the promise yep. of the Holy Spirit when everything's real confusing I think that's not just for me but that's also true of like wider communities too like this is something you could you could use in a you know any co- any congregation not just limiting that to churches that are that are struggling in some way you could do this you could use this sorry you were saying something then i cut you off i just think it stands out to me that jesus gives peace not as the world gives and the follow-up to that is don't be troubled or afraid Hmm. implying that hmm. the gifts of the world should come with trouble or fear <laughs> and fear yeah hmm. and it's like I, I mean i think thinking back to last week where we were talking about is salvation for us and kind of these worries and talking in this episode about fearing not knowing something about ourselves that everyone else notices it's like what does it mean to receive peace just because (laughs) because we're loved because we've been deemed worthy of it not because we have to respond in turn we can but there's there's no trouble there's no fear that accompanies this gift i guess i think of the world's peace as both you know temporary but always conditional too there's always the chance that like you do something wrong and then it gets snatched away. It's like, oh, as long as you're as long as you're kind of following the path that the powers have set for you. As long as you're complying. As long as you're not rocking the boat too much. You, know, you can have you can have peace. But then as soon as you start you know, pushing against that, like it to get snatched away. So even if you have that peace, like, are you always afraid of losing it? And I would say yes, I guess. But this piece, you're right, strikes me as different. Like, it's not conditional. You can just be loved because. You can just have peace because of who God is and who you are. Even if you have really bad BL. Even so. Yes. 
I went on this kick recently, not about BO, but about whether my house has has like a distinct smell. House odor? Which I know it does, but I'm like, man, is it bad? Like, I know it has a distinct smell, but is the smell bad? Like, it's the Febreze commercials. They scared me. Because they're like, stop the smells you've become nose blind to. And I'm like, shoot, what have I become nose blind to? Someone who's been in your house relatively recently... The smell is a smell. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's f- yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it smells like your house. I don't have any specific memory of it being bad, though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know it has a smell. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was bad. Okay. Well, that that makes me feel better. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that piece. You're welcome. I'm not troubled or afraid. Yeah. Of that specific scenario. Given our conversation about narcissism recently, we should probably stop comparing each other to Jesus. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) That's so true. Well, what if we prayed with Jesus? Will you pray with me? I love that. God who's three in one... And one in three. You make your home with us. Your spirit calls to mind everything Jesus taught. And you leave us your peace. Help us to know that we're not abandoned. And empower us to serve others. So they too may live in peace. Amen. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us. We're so glad that you been so committed to this community we're excited for another episode next week but until then seth thanks for walking us through that story thanks for helping me tell it we'll assume his name's john we we never know right you know this that all the gospels are are anonymous so i was just say well john seems like a good a name as any Sure. That's fine. Like, good enough. Isn't it amazing to uh, think that the NBA player, Giannis, and <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to say it. That's John. Yeah, that's, it is. And that's how John was is spelled in Greek, too. <laughs> like, yeah. his, na- his name is closer to this John's name than mine is. True, I, even, I did not think of it that way. I'm also feeling bad for all the grief I give to all the announcers who can't say Antetokounm... And, no, see, I can't even do it. <laughs> can't say his last name. Antetokounm... What is that? <laughs> this is This has got to go in the blue for real. Yeah, I know. This is embarrassing, <laughs> though. <laughs> You're just trying to say his name. Hold on. Well, you can't give... The announcer's grief if you can't say his name. I know. Name. Talk about not seeing Antetokounmpo. the log in Antetokounmpo. I did it. You did it. I never made that connection, though, until right now. That You know, me neither. John Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's five syllables. Antetokounmpo. Okay, now say it fast. Antetokounmpo. John Antetokounmpo. Is that right? You got it right on your first try. Great. Congratulations.